Now, we said earlier, the Shapiro brothers, they were thrown into prison in order to break their spirit, force them to admit that they were somehow involved in Laser Protagon's death. And in the eyes of the investigator and the people in charge of him, the, the fact that they were guilty, that is a fact. Everyone knows they're guilty, of course. We just need them to admit it. So the officials that cleared them originally, meaning anyone who said, even the Gaisha judge who said that the Shapiro brothers are innocent, they would also be tortured until they admitted the truth. And as a result, they, 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 a lot of them were forced to give up their positions. They lost their jobs as punishment for, for, for uh, participating in the cover-up. Because obviously the Shapiro brothers are guilty. Now, understandably, the warden of the prison, the warden is the, like the, the head guard of the prison, the one in charge of everything in prison. So he was careful to make sure that the Shapiro brothers <clears throat> did not get any special treatment because he didn't want people to say, oh, why are you treating them nicely? Were you bribed by the Jews? <clears throat> or it could be that he also wanted to punish the Shapiro brothers, that he was, he was an anti-Semite. So shortly after they were imprisoned, he noticed that there was some sunlight shining through there was one little window in the prison cell and he noticed there was some sunlight shining in which also allowed a little fresh air to come into the room and he angrily said based on the accusations against you you don't deserve to see the light of the sun so what did he do? he went and he blocked up the window basically almost no sunlight came into the room and they didn't just make the room dark it made it, like, the, the smell was so much worse because there was no fresh air. It was very sad and depressing. And for a moment, his goal was to make the brothers, like, to make them lose their, their chayas. And for, for, for one moment, he succeeded. And Rabbi Shmuel Abba felt a little bit, he started feeling sad. So Rabbi Pinchas, his brother, right, the two brothers, Rabbi Shmuel Avram Abba and Rabbi Pinchas. So Rabbi Pinchas turns to his brother and he says, now I finally understand the Chachamim when they call the, the, the Yetzir Hara an old and foolish king. And I always wondered, why he's called a fool? You look around you, I think the Yetzir Hara is pretty smart. Getting Yidin to do Averis for thousands of years. He could trick even the brightest person, the biggest Sadiq, for making, making him do something that's not supposed to do. But now I got it after I just saw you. We're in this very unpleasant situation. And since that is what Hashem decided for us, right? But why did our Yetzirah have to come in prison too? Obviously he's a fool. Why would he want to be in prison? So the Shmuel Avram Abba understood the message and his sadness that basically he realized that that sadness, depression, and, and the, the Alter Rebbe writes about this Salon and Tanya, and the Rebbeim all spoke, spoke about it. Depression is a tool of the Yetzirah. When a person is depressed and, and, and sad, for like, it makes them, oh, I don't want to get out of bed today. So I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. I don't want to daven. I don't want to do this mitzvah. I don't want to do that mitzvah. Because I'm so sad. I'm so angry. I'm so this. I'm so depressed. 
all that is tools of the Yetzirah to, to schlep him down. And Reb Shmuel Abba, he strengthened himself and returned to his uh, former uh, chayas that he had. Now, to keep up their good mood throughout their imprisonment, Reb Pinchas would repeatedly say the Pasuk, right, that we say on, uh, we lay it by the Shalash Regalim. Right, so when we lay it, we say, it's the last three words of the Pasuk. So it's, right, but when you lay it by the Shalash Regalim, you say, that when, you, when he said it, his face was shining and you could see the happiness on his face. Now, seeing that he was not successful in uh, breaking the spirits of the brothers, the warden thought, you know what? Let's try something else. Covering the window didn't work. Let's, let's, I'm going to move them to a cell together with the worst criminals. Now, the favorite... Uh, thing that these criminals love to do was to torture some newcomer prisoners, especially if they were Jews. Oh, the fun they had with them. And not fun in a good way. Now, as an additional incentive, the warden promised them a reward if they succeeded in breaking the Shapiro brothers' spirit. If you make their lives unbearable, he said, I'll give you guys a reward. And they're making all their plans to drive the brothers crazy. First of all, because they hated Jews in the first place. But now they're being paid for it. You can't get better. And when the brothers were brought into this cell with all these murderers and thieves, the prisoners, they attempted to break their spirits by laying down their own rules for, this, for these newcomers in their cell and telling them how it was expected that they should be behaving in our cell. But nothing they did affected the two tzaddikim. They davened and learned the entire day. It said that they learned the entire shas together. Every year that they were in prison, they learned it line by line from memory. They were not allowed to have a shas in their prison cell. They knew, it wasn't like they knew the idea of what every Mesechta spoke about and they went over it. They knew line for line, word for word, they knew the entire shots by heart. Now the warden and the prisoners, they observed that the brothers' inspiration came from their tefillahs that they were able to do. So they said, you know what? Let's take away their, their opportunity to daven. So they did their best to... to uh, Interrupt the Shapiro brothers during their tefillahs. They spoke loudly and rudely. They, they smoked their homemade cigarettes that smelled like who knows what. In their pipes, they would blow the smoke all over their faces. Um, and even though the, the cell had no proper ventilation, so when, if somebody would smoke a pipe or a cigarette over there, the smoke would like, stay there and it would be hard to breathe. Um, they would also do other things. That try to make it the smell as hard, as bad as possible. Use your imagination. Um, the brothers continued to daven as if they didn't exist. So desperate to interrupt them, at one point they even decided to bring a tummy animal in the room. It doesn't say which tummy animal it was, but it, no, it could, it could, 
Not, it could have been a, a dog makes more sense than a Where are you getting a chazer in the middle of a city? Like, it wasn't like a... a, a dogs were, were more common, probably. And the moment they saw the animal... I, I, I mean, it doesn't say that anywhere, but I'm just guessing. So the moment they saw the animal, the Pinchas, he cried, he said, Look, they don't even allow us to daven. And he broke, in, broke out in tears. And the other prisoners now are smiling. All right, we did it. We got him. We broke his spirit. They're so excited and happy. However, their victory did not last long. In front of their eyes, they saw it disappearing. The Shmuel Abba turns to his brother. He says, my dear brother, listen to me right now, what I'm about to tell you. Who commanded us to daven? Isn't it a mitzvah from Hashem? And where does it say that you cannot daven in an unclean, unclean place? Isn't that a mitzvah also from Hashem? Right? Look in the Shulchan Aruch. So don't be sad. The only reason we are not davening at this very moment is because we are following and listening to what the Torah tells us. So aren't we fulfilling this mitzvah as the Torah says? In my opinion, can't daven. Let's sing a nigan. And through our singing, we're going to connect ourselves to Hashem. And that will be our davening for today. And the Shmuel Abba, who was uh, benched with a very, very pleasant voice, began singing a very joyous niggin. He didn't just choose some, like, uh, a, a, a niggin to sing slowly, you know, to do his bainanus on. A fast, simchadigin niggin. And for a moment, the other prisoners couldn't understand why these two people were so joyous. But as the song went on, they also started becoming in a good mood and dancing. They started dancing around the game. We're dancing and clapping. Um... Now, from, from that point on, the other prisoners were in awe of them. They're like, wow. And, and like, 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 like they basically, it, instead of them trying to torture the brothers, they started to treat them with tremendous respect. And they immediately cleaned up the whole cell, made sure nothing smells. And whenever the, 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 there was time for the Shapiro brothers to dive in, they made sure everyone moved to this side of the room to give them a lot of space for them to dive in. And from, that, from then on, the, the prisoners treated them with the greatest respect. And whenever they were davening, they would make sure we have to speak in low voices because we don't want to disturb those guys' prayers. And, and seeing this, this seeing that the, his efforts failed, the warden of the prison who tried to do this, he put them in the cell in the first place to break their spirits. But you see, all he did was, all he did was uh, to make all these guys look human for a second. So he decided he's going to just separate them from the other prisoners, which the brothers had no problem with. Right, and uh, until they waited in peace for their sentence, and uh, as we're going to start tomorrow, the the verdict was extremely harsh. But thanks to Hashem's kindness, they survived and were ultimately reunited with their families. I just want to end off with a personal story that I witnessed myself. I was uh, many years ago, about twelve and a half years ago, I was on a trip with a group of boys. In the summertime, there were counselors in the camp in Crown Heights. And, and um, I used to take them on trips here and there. So one day, it was a Sunday. We went, uh, what's it called? Uh, tubing, water tubing, where they tie a tube on the back of a boat and the boat goes flying and you're, you're going flying all over the place. Anyways, so, so uh, on the way back, we stopped off at a 7-Eleven to get Slurpees. 
And when we were in the parking lot, and I said, you know what, it's, we're, we're an hour and a half from Crown Heights. I don't think we're going to make it back from Mincha. We have a minion right here. Let's just dive in right here. And I was like, yeah, okay, let's do it. So remember, we're in a parking lot at 7-Eleven. There's cars driving around. So we, we go to a corner over there. Milshman Esrei. I noticed from the corner of my eye this big biker guy with big beard and ponytail in the back of his head wearing a leather jacket. He's, he gets on, he's, he's sitting on his bike, on, on his motorcycle, just staring at us. And I'm like, oh my gosh, he's going to pull out a gun and start shooting us. I have no clue who this guy is, right? And he's just staring at us. And I'm, I'm, I'm like speeding up Shemina Esrei because I'm in charge. I'm one of, the, well, I was one of the two adults in charge. So I, you know, davening faster because in case something, I don't know what's going to, this guy's just staring at us. It's not, not fun to have a guy like this stare at you, especially while you're all middle Shemina Esrei and you can't move, right? So... Before I even had a chance to finish Menezre, one of the uh, uh, students, one of the Bakram, he finishes Menezre himself, and he goes straight up to the guy, and he says, excuse me, are you Jewish? And he says, no, but my bicycle, when I turn it on, makes a lot of noise, and I see that you guys are praying, so I don't want to disturb your prayers. And I was like, when, when, so by that time I finished Menezre, the Bukhar came up to me and said what the guy said. I was like, wow, I never, you have Yiddin who have no problem disturbing davening of other Yiddin, right? And Shul, they have no problem talking. This guy's in, and it's not like we came to his house and we don't want to disturb him. We're in a parking lot, right? Like, like, come on, would anyone be upset at him if he, if he turned on his bicycle, his motorcycle? No, we're the crazy ones for davening in a parking lot. And, um, after we finished uh, uh, Kedusha, I told the Bachar, you, you tell him this, you don't have to wait till we finish the whole, uh, whole Shemina Esrei, like the Chazar Sashats. But uh, every year I say this story over again, uh, usually in the summertime when it happened, just to show that, that if, if a guy could behave this way, and remember, it wasn't like a guy showed up in a shul and doesn't want to talk. We're in a parking lot! And he doesn't want to turn on his motorcycle because he doesn't want to disturb our davening. Allah has come of a comma. How much more so should we, as from Yidin, yes, it is a kavachaymer. Should we, as from Yidin, who understand what davening is, for sure should never disturb the davening of another person. And we'll continue tomorrow.